Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here, and welcome to my show, Me the Science podcast. Now, uh, I haven't done this in a while. I'm going to talk about one of my own discoveries this week because we had a recent publication published in a journal called Nature Communications. You can look it up if you like. It's one of the more prominent journals, I guess. And as I've often told you, judge science on where it's published, the more eminent the journal, the more likely it is that it's exciting and impactful. And we're lucky with this one because we got into quite a prominent uh, journal and now it's out there in the world. It was published about three weeks ago. So now everybody can see it. And of course, as I've often said as well, we want to publish because tell the community what you've discovered. They might pick up on it and maybe develop it and take it forward. So that's why publication is so important. It's also a very important metric for us. Uh, You won't get grants and support unless you've published. It's a bit of a vicious business in some ways, actually. And of course, for my students, Tristram Ryan. Let's give him an immediate shout out. He's the first author on this paper. It's his PhD, really, is what's been published. Delighted for Tris because he's worked for three years on this, made the initial discovery, I would guess, about three years ago, actually. And now his paper's out there for the whole world to see. And guess what? He's he's on his way back from a big conference. I haven't got a conference. He got invited to one as well in America. So on, on, on this topic, so it's great to see his career progressing. That's so important to us. Now, what is it? Well, all about blood clotting. So this week it's the science of blood clotting. Now you're all and everybody is familiar with clotting of blood, isn't it? When you cut yourself, your blood has to clot, hasn't it? Otherwise you're going to bleed. And that clotting process, it's very complicated actually biochemically. In fact, for biochemists, it was one of the first complex pathways in the body, as it were, biochemical pathways to be figured out. Probably it began about 100 years ago or so, the first research into this. It really, the big breakthroughs happened in the 50s and 60s, mind you. But, but the process of blood clotting has been well worked out. And what happens is you cut yourself, say, and now your blood is now being exposed to the air. You damage some of the skin where the cut is. You damage some of the blood vessels and that triggers the clotting process. It culminates in the production of a protein called thrombin. And you may have heard of the term thrombosis. That means blood clotting, really, I guess, is is how we define thrombosis. But thrombin gets made. Thrombin then works to cause this clot to form. There's a protein called fibrin, forms this mesh in response to this pathway. And that mesh then forms the clot. And also, really important part of clotting are things called platelets. They are tiny, tiny things in your blood. Uh, The name comes from little plate, actually. Under the microscope, they look like plates, hence the term platelet. They go in as well, and they help form this clot and now the area is plugged and the blood doesn't leak out anymore and as I say it's been really well worked out over the over a number of decades what's actually happening is that these enzymes that are involved in clotting they're called proteases and one will clip another one enzymes remember often chew things up so you're clipping proteins along the way and all this clipping of proteins forms the proteins that form the clot and in the end your blood doesn't bleed out I guess and this blood is extremely important for all the reasons you would know it turns out there's two pathways to clotting to make it even more complicated the intrinsic pathway and the extrinsic pathway. Now, the intrinsic pathway was the first to be discovered because it'll happen in a test tube. If you take some blood from someone, it will form a clot. And what's happening is the process in the blood that's being triggered here is now bumping off the surface of the test tube in which the blood is. So any kind of surface would allow this clotting cascade to happen. It's a cascade of proteins that are triggered here. And the clot will happen in a test tube in response to the surface. Now, in the body, that would be like a blood vessel surface, say, or the blood is exposed 
exposed to a piece of damaged tissue, say, and that's forming a surface for the clots to form along, if you will. It's a bit like a catalytic event, really. That's called the intrinsic pathway. The extrinsic is a similar pathway. They all end up with thrombin, by the way. But the extrinsic pathway is when you damage tissue. And that damage to the tissue triggers blood clotting. It's not just a surface that's activating the, the process. It's damage to tissue. And these two eventually come together in thrombin. Thrombin is activated. Fibrin then gets triggered and gets processed as well. And now the clot begins to form. Now, the damaged one is extremely interesting to my lab because what's driving the extrinsic pathway is inflammation. And my lab has worked on inflammation for many years now, and the inflammatory process will bring in white blood cells to fight an infection, say. Uh, inflammation is extremely important for repairing damage in tissues. Inflammation, this tissue injury, will drive this extrinsic pathway. And that's the bit that we've made a discovery in. Now, there you have it. I've given you all a clotting in about, in about two minutes there. I hope you can follow that. By the way, there's great images. If you Google it, you'll see these pathways described very clearly. Now, what is our discovery? What our interest is all about clotting that happens after infection. Now, when you have an infection in your body, that will trigger blood clotting. It's triggered because of this damage that the infection is causing. So you see the extrinsic pathway being triggered. The surfaces begin to change a bit during infection as well. And that triggers the clotting process. And guess what? It's part of the host defense response to an infection. And you need clotting to fight infection. Why do you need the clotting to fight infection? Well, guess what? If it's a bacteria, they get trapped in the clot. And that's very clever because let's say again, let's say it cuts your skin and there's some bacteria now triggering this clotting event, the bacteria get, get trapped in the clot and don't spread throughout your body. And of course, if an infection spreads in your body, that can be very damaging because it goes into your liver or your kidneys or your brain and that really can cause an awful lot of damage. So it looks as if clotting evolved very early on to trap a nasty germ and stop it spreading throughout the body to really harm you. So the clotting process is therefore part of your defence mechanism against infection. And every infectious agent can cause this clotting to happen, including viruses as well, by the way. And the viruses often trigger it because they're causing this damage. So when a virus infects your cells, it can damage the cell and that damage then gives rise to this extrinsic pathway of clotting. So it's very important as a part of our body's defence against, I guess, against infections. Now, a very important part of this, get ready for the last tricky bit in a way, is this process by which infection triggers clotting involves a protein called tissue factor. Now, that was discovered many decades ago, and the name speaks for itself. It's a factor made by tissue. But what this tissue factor protein does is it triggers this extrinsic pathway. So, to recap, are you ready? You get an infection in your body. It might be a virus, it might be a bacteria, whatever it might be. That will trigger a release of this tissue factor from the tissue, and that will then trigger the clot to form, and it stops the infection from spreading. Now, another important part of this is the clotting process can also ramp up inflammation. Some of the clotting factors are inflammatory as well, and that helps everything along. It helps bring in the white blood cells to fight the infection. So a very complex process. Now, I'm not joking you, this is intensely complicated. There are many different parts to this and there are different aspects get triggered in response to these different events. Now, as I say, this is a normal process. Clotting is triggered to stop the blood from bleeding out, as it were. And secondly, to help your body fight these infections. The trouble is, it can become pathologic it can cause harm and sometimes during infection this clotting process goes out of control 
Now, why does it go out of control? Well, first of all, there might be too much of an infectious agent. There's so much bacteria there, so much virus in your system. It's causing so much damage, the clotting really gets ramped up and those clots now become problematic. And they can leave the site of infection, they can break off and go to other parts of your body and cause all kinds of problems. They can damage your kidneys, they can go to your brain and damage your brain, for instance. And this can be very, very serious. At the extreme end of this, this can actually be fatal. And in fact, many deaths in hospital happen after infection because of what we would call aberrant coagulation. It's sometimes called coagulopathy is the kind of technical term for this. And the big fancy term for this actually is disseminated intravascular coagulopathy or DIC. And that's the really harmful part of these clotting events. And lots of people are very interested in this. Can you stop it from happening is a key goal, especially people in intensive care who've got severe infections. And this can become a thing called sepsis. And I've covered sepsis before on a podcast, actually. So once this starts, can you stop it? Because it can be very, very dangerous. Now, you might be thinking, well, why can't you give it a drug to stop clotting? And indeed, there are anticoagulants out there that we use. One is called heparin, for instance. And heparin is a very good way to stop clots forming, actually, and allow clots to eventually resolve. The trouble is, you risk bleeds then. And there's always been a balancing act here between giving someone who's got severe clotting and stopping the clotting process from being dangerous and disease-causing and yet not allowing them to bleed too much because obviously you might get bleeds in your stomach, you might get bleeds in your brain and that can be very harmful. So it's a real sort of challenge, a medical challenge to stop the clotting in a safe way. And some of these things do work a bit but still we desperately need better ways to stop clotting that's happening during infection in a safe way and that's where our discovery comes in. Now, the trigger for this, guess what, was COVID because it became very clear early on that COVID-19 is a coagulopathy. When COVID-19 gets really severe, little clots appear all over your body and those clots now begin to cause a lot of harm in your different tissues around your body. And of course, once that became clear, many labs, including my own, began to work on this aspect of COVID. Could we come up with therapies to stop this unwanted clotting in the context of COVID-19? And guess what? We came across two drugs that could do just that. One is called dimethylfumarate or DMF. And again, those interested can look it up. It's actually an anti-inflammatory compound that was discovered years ago. And it's used to treat, of all things, psoriasis and multiple sclerosis because it's anti inflammatory and we wondered would that drug stop this clotting event from happening and lo and behold it did now again this is all preclinical. Uh, we're using samples from humans that we can study in the lab and stop the clotting in those we're also using models of infection in mice and, and we do use mice occasionally to test these things and again DMF could stop all the clotting in mice in response to different infectious agents and more importantly a new drug that we're developing ourselves called 4OI that could stop clotting in COVID in mice and that was a tremendously exciting result because you can, you, can, you can have a mouse model of COVID and we give mice effectively COVID-19 and guess what the 4OI stopped all the clotting and the mice lived it was literally like night and day the ones we didn't give the 4OI to died of this coagulation the ones that we gave the new 4OI drug too, we could stop all the clotting from happening and that was a very exciting result and i never forget it. Uh, that was done with collaborators in Australia. A uh, big shout out to Phil Hansborough and his lab in the University of Sydney. They helped us with this and Phil, when he sent me the data, me and Tris fell off our seats in excitement because here we had a way to stop the unwanted clotting that you get in COVID-19 and then the other infectious diseases that we could stop, uh, one was called Staph aureus that can cause a thing called MRSA in the lab and we could also stop a thing this DIC, the sepsis part of 
infection. We could stop that as well with these agents, especially with DMF. So in lots of different situations then, we were able to stop all this clotting from happening. And this was very exciting. And even more exciting was we know what these drugs are doing. They're stopping the tissue factor. Now, as you may remember, this thing called tissue factor gets made. That triggers all the clotting. We could stop the production of tissue factor with DMF and 4OI. Now, we weren't targeting tissue factor itself. We were targeting upstream events, as we call this, the trigger tissue factor. Now, the reason why this is exciting is this could be a safe way to stop clotting. If you go too far downstream and stop, say, thrombin or stop tissue factor, that can cause unwanted bleeding because those are also getting made during normal bleeding. Now, strangely enough, we're often having little bleeds in our bodies from injuries and so on. You know, If you stop tissue factor or thrombin, you'll interfere with that type of clotting as well. And then that can be harmful because you, you'll have too much bleeding. What the 4OI and DMF were doing was they were acting very early in the infectious process and stopping the triggering of clotting through these infectious agents and therefore they're specific for the infection induced clotting that's what we think we've come across so in other words the dream here was to only target the pathologic part of clotting that infectious injury is causing and that will stop that type of clotting but it will leave normal clotting alone and that seems to be what we've come across and that's why we think this data could have real implications for stopping unwanted clotting now the last piece of um, evidence that we got though very importantly was could we get evidence for this tissue factor pathway in COVID in humans because obviously people have come across clotting in COVID but we wanted to see if our particular process was out of control in COVID patients and guess what indeed it is and Tristram went up to James's hospital got some samples now this was taken from blood of people with very severe COVID back in 2021 when those patients were around we measured in their blood tissue factor and the very thing that the DMF and 4OI can target was up in the blood of these people now again that's what we call a, a correlation in other words if this pathway is up in the blood and we can show in a different system that we can block that pathway that gives us hope that this might actually work in the context of severe clotting that happens in COVID-19 or indeed in other infectious diseases so that was quite nice it confirmed our hypothesis if you will that this particular pathway culminating in tissue factor being driven by COVID-19 and also by different types of bacteria that that will now cause clotting and we can target that then with the 4OI and the DMF and that's a prospect for the future and of course that's where this will go next by the way and Tristram was just telling me he came back he came back from the conference huge excitement at the conference from people in hospitals doctors who are treating people with these types of coagulations they were very excited by our findings because now this could be a brand new way to stop the unwanted clotting that's happening in a disease like COVID-19 or in this disseminated intravascular coagulopathy that can happen in the context of any infection so again the next step now of course will be possibly to try DMF itself it's already used in patients with psoriasis and MS as an anti-inflammatory so now it could be repurposed and that's something we would really be advocating for and even more excitingly I would think our new drug which we're developing on the back of this drug called 4OI that we're testing that could be a brand new way to stop unwanted coagulation in the context of infection and that's work that's going to be happening now in the future we're very keen to follow this up obviously and the last thing I want to tell you about is long COVID and again as many people listening will know long COVID happens in many people who have COVID they have persistent symptoms that can go on for months and months the kinds of symptoms of long COVID are fatigue uh, this thing called brain fog when you can't think straight exhaustion and breathlessness on exertion a feeling of malaise and general sickness guess what that's been linked to clotting as well 
And in fact, in people with long COVID, they've detected little micro clots, they're called, in their lungs. And that might be why they can't breathe as well. It might be in other parts of their body that give rise to some of these other symptoms. Now you can imagine now if we could use DMF and the follow-on drug from 4OI. 4OI itself, just to clarify, is not a drug yet. It's what we call a proto-therapeutic. But drugs based on it could, could be just as good as the 4OI. Could that be used to either limit the chance of long COVID forming or indeed to help people with long COVID? And we're very keen on that. And Phil Hansborough, my, my collaborator, he now has a model in mice of long COVID. And guess what? He's testing DMF and 4OI in that mouse model of long COVID. If it works in that situation, it could well work in humans. So who knows? We may see a, a therapeutic effect in the context of long COVID as well. So there you have it, a very complicated story. Hope you could follow all that. Happy to answer any questions, of course, if you want to email me. But I'll give it to you again uh, in one sentence to try to get your, your head around it. COVID-19 causes unwanted clotting. That unwanted clotting is very harmful to our bodies and lots of the symptoms of COVID-19 sickness are driven by this clotting event. It can turn into long COVID as well. And we found a therapeutic called dimethyl fumarate already used for psoriasis and MS and a, a related compound called 4OI which we are using now as the basis for even more therapeutics that may well have potential to stop the harmful effects of clotting that happen during infection and that of course as I say is work for the future so I hope you uh, you got some useful information from that and remember my podcast is available for download every Thursday and it's a news talk production and thanks very much for listening